Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Wrestling Place Wesley Chapel. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at our gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. And I am so grateful that you guys were able to share in this opportunity to, for this launch. It is, I think, a celebration uh, that God's mission is expanding here in West Chapel. And we know that there's a lot of great churches here. And they're my brothers and sisters. And I love them. I pray with them. I studied with them in the past. So this is great. What I'm saying is God has called the resting place for a particular mission. Lost found, found free, for peace to reign. And that may look different than other church. Uh, and what I say that is we are evangelical, lost found. But there's something about freedom that we really honor in our church culture. And if you haven't felt it, experienced it during our worship, I want to welcome you back. Because you will. Um, I, I've been in places where I, was, I didn't feel free to even raise my hands in worship. Or to even sing louder than others. If you, and, and I just want to... We are created in the diversity and the uniqueness of who you are, and we want to honor who you are and the way you honor God. Out of the overflow of your heart, we want to say, yes, bring that to the Lord, and however that may look like. And so we don't want to be constricted just by the tradition of the church. We really believe in the honor. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You guys heard that? And that's what we believe. We want to bring the Spirit of God, living God, move. And where the Spirit of the living Lord is, there is freedom. There is peace. There is shalom and restoration that he makes the broken restore to newness. And so that's who we are and that's what we're about. And also my background, uh, if you, you guys, many of you guys know me, but if this is your first time, you don't know. Um, I am theologically trained. That's kind of my academic background. I love to teach. And in the past years, I felt like because we're the trend of the trend of the church has been topical sermon, I've been fulfilling the mold and the expectations, if you will. But you know what I came to realize is that I really love the Bible, and I love dissecting it. And so I know that there are, like other campuses, are great because they're so heart. If you ever listen to Pastor Jimmy, he pours his heart out on a platter for you to see, okay? And, and that's wonderful because that's, he's built, he's wired that way. I'm wired a little bit differently. Um, but at the same time, as, we, as I look at the scripture and just unfold and unpack all of these things, life happens from that too. And I would like to show that and, and I welcome you to take that journey with me. So we haven't, as we planted a year and a half ago, we haven't done expository preaching. I have in a way, but more topical series. I'm just going to go through the book of Joshua. Um, it's kind of interesting because I was just resting my head of what am I going to preach? And I was preparing the sermon series planning for the next year. And as I was doing so, I was thinking about last week, like, what do we need? Lord, what, is, what do they need? And I came across Joshua 1, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Be strong and be courageous. I, and I preached that. You guys were with me. I preached that message, and I was like, that is it. that's the word for this season, for, especially for our church. 
And then I looked at the next chapter and it's like, that's it for this church. <laughs> so I'm like, I guess I'm doing a series on Joshua because I'm not planning out my topics like, what do my people need? God is just giving me the scripture and just go through the Bible. I don't know when was the last time you read through the Old Testament. I, I feel like the church has stopped reading the Old Testament in a long time. And the church has become a little bit illiterate. And that's been the accusation by the traditional churches. And I don't like that because we can be non-traditional and still know the word. And honor God in our worship, be free, and know God's word. So that's what I'm here for. And uh, so recap. Joshua 1, if you remember, Moses, Israel's history's greatest leader, died. And God commissions Joshua to take the reign. He has big sandals to fill, right? And he comes into position, and God says, be strong and be courageous, and gives us big command, big promise. Just as I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. Can you imagine that? Like, I can imagine Joshua being kind of intimidated by following after Moses, the greatest leader in the history of Israel. And then he positions him, and God says, just as I was with Moses, I would be with you. Therefore, be strong and be courageous. Lead these people into the promised land. That, and be very careful to obey everything that has been given. You know the Mosaic Law, though? Dependent to. Be careful. Don't stray to the left or to the right. That you may find success. That was God's promise for his success. And it's great that God gives such a great promise. Have you ever had like great prophetic prayer over you and you're like, yeah, I want that? It's good because that's the beginning of what is to come that may encourage you. But if you can, but you cannot be where you are to attain the promise. You have to move out of your old place to the new place. There is a response that God calls His people to move from the old to the new. Yes, God has made a promise, but you have to go there. There is a responsibility of God's people to move and to do something that He has told them to do, and that's where we arrive today. And from our scriptures, we see that it is important that God gives such a promise. But it's also very important, the response of God's people. Amen? And that's what we're going to look at. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Joshua chapter 1, verses 10 and following. I will have that in the slides for you. But I always encourage you to bring your Bibles, whether it's on phone or, or you know, the traditional flip pages. You don't have to turn on. <laughs> and write, have a writing pen marker because God works through his words to bring about highlighting and convictions that's different from, for you and for me. And I want you to be ready to receive God's word always. Okay. Will you join me with you in prayer? Father, we thank you. You are so good. Your word is good, and your words are promises to us that we can look forward to of your desire for blessings and success of your sons and daughters. Your words reveal who we are in you and who you are 
to us. And we want to know you more in a deeper sense. So come in your power. We want to come in agreement of your spirit, your truth. Let your kingdom come and your will be done. Here and now, in our hearts. Move in the hearts of every person here to receive what you want them to receive. And remove anything, misinterpretations or wrong filters, but just your truth, Lord. We say yes in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Joshua 1.10. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your supplies ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. So immediately after God gave the command to Joshua, Joshua doesn't waste any time. He takes a promise, and he immediately obeys. He goes to the people and goes, get your supplies ready. In three days, we're going to go. Get your gear, get your food, get whatever it is. In three days, we're going to be leaving. Now, when we, what's interesting in this context is that Joshua commissions his people, but then in verse 12 and following, he talks about particular tribes, Reubenites, uh, the Gedites, and half-tribes of Manasseh, with a particular promise. And he calls them to remember the promise that, they, that Moses, that the agreement that they had. It's a small detail, but it matters, because he says in verse 13, so everybody get ready, but then Joshua says in verse 13, these tribes, your wives, your children, and your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan, but all your fighting men fully armed must cross over ahead of your brothers. You are to help your brothers until the Lord gives them rest, as he has done for you. And until they too have taken possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. After that, you may go back and occupy your land, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you east of the Jordan towards the sunrise. So, what does that mean? I kind of shared. Imagine this is the east side of the Jordan. Here is the river. This is the promised land, right? This is the before. This is the promise. They are here. But the three tribes, Moses had made an agreement with those three tribes. They're like, hey, the land looks pretty good here. Can we stay here, Moses? And Moses had made an agreement while he was alive. Yes, you can have it, but you still have to fight with your brothers over. It's not fair for you to take your land and be withdrawn from the military responsibility of your family because the rest of the family has to cross over into the promised land. You guys are with me so far? So Joshua addresses those particular tribes. You, that is your land. But don't stay where you are. You cannot settle. You cannot take possession. You cannot rest until your rest of the family, the rest of the tribes, cross over, fight. And once they have attained their land, then you can come back and settle, which is the original agreement. Now, even though, even though they had made this agreement, how many of you guys know that you could say your promise, you can give your word to someone, but later on, there's always a temptation to do the easier, to back out. I, nobody makes a promise and intend to break it. I, I, we, we've, 
met some evil people, selfish people. But even those people, make, when they give their word, I believe they give their word. But it's later on in life where the temptations, the cheaper, the, the little fudging of the numbers, the shortcuts, that temptation is so great they cannot resist it. And therefore, they break the promise. And so Joshua comes to them and says, remember what the covenant that you have made. Remember the agreement that you made with Moses. And then Joshua calls that, and then verse 16, and this is the response of the people. Verse 16, then they answered Joshua, whatever you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. I want you to know that there is power in agreement. There is power in agreement. When the people of God are united, there is power. There is authority. There is greater measure of their strength and being able to accomplish whatever it is they're on a mission for. Because there is power in unity. It's great that God has anointed Joshua, commissioned him, gave him the promise that you will, no one will be able to withstand you. No one will be able to come across you. Every step that you take will be yours for, as your possessions. Great promises. But a leader without followers is taking a walk. A leader is only a leader by the followers. It is the followers following that enables the leader to be empowered to accomplish whatever it is that needs to be accomplished. A leader is nothing without the followers. And the followers need to be in agreement with a leader to empower, to show what they're able capable of when God commissioned Joshua it wasn't that God said this promise to Joshua alone but to his whole family the tribes the 12 tribes the promise was to the entire nation of Israel the descendant of Abraham who were covered under the covenant promise and they all responded in faith in agreement and when they were in agreement with Joshua, they were in agreement with God. There's an order to that. When you're in agreement with a person, you're in agreement with that person's relationship and what they believe. Hypothetically, what do you think would happen if some Israelite says, I believe in the promise of God, but I don't, that Joshua fellow, I, I, don't, I don't trust him. I don't believe in him. I think there's a better way. I'm going to do my own thing to get God's promises without Joshua. What do you think that's going to happen? That fool's not going to go far. That fool will not accomplish God's will because God's will is with Joshua. God's will has been poured upon and anointed and commissioned to Joshua. And just like a cup that overflows, it's the cup beneath it that receives the overflow. We call that grace. You cannot be in a separate entity out here and says, God's going to bless me. No, God's blessing is over here. There are so many stories of this. You guys been to some church and there's a grace upon a particular church, like Bethel or the resting place. And, and people can be overly confident 
about their giftedness and what they're able to do. They go separate, and all of a sudden, that grace ends. You guys know what I'm talking about? There is a flow of order where God has commissioned particular individuals with grace, gifts, power. I'm going to do this with you. He pours that, and everyone underneath who comes into agreement receives that same grace that overflows. And that's what's happening here. I can tell you that it, it was this unity and agreement that allows the flow of God's grace upon Israel. Jesus modeled this same concept, this unity and agreement in John 17. In the longest documented prayer in the Bible, Jesus said in John 17, 22, that all of them, and this is the prayer for his people, the disciples, the Christians, his followers, he says, that all of them may be one, Father. Just as you are in me and I in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you have given me that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. This prayer of Jesus for the unity of all believers. Jesus is saying, just as I model that unity, that is just as that grace, that glory that comes from me, I have given it to them. There's a flow. You come in agreement with Jesus, you come into agreement with God the Father, what he has given. And, you, and to the apostles who came into agreement with Jesus, we come into agreement with the apostles. There is a flow of order where God has poured upon and the cups that is positioned in agreement, receives that very grace. I think the, the world has forgotten what unity is. The United States of America has become the divided states. There are, and this has been very evident in the last few, several years, you guys have seen it, especially through the media, the differences of beliefs, ideologies, political stuff has divided and eroded this country. I mean, the division has literally weakened our country. And you see it with your own eyes. Uh, I'm contemplating whether I should bring some of these things up. I mean, no matter what you believe, even whether COVID, and science. I believe in science. But you know what? I have doctor friends and scientist friends who laugh what's happening in the media because not all of the scientific facts are even brought to light. And they bring science. There is divisions in this country. And it's almost as if if you don't say what I believe, then I take offense to that. And this country has no longer... It's diverse as, we used to call it the melting pot and take pride in, in this country. You know that? That's diversity, the melting pot concept. And yet, it's because of that diversity, we can't stand each other. We can't talk about the differences. What once we took pride in now has become the issue that has divided us. Craziness. And there's something to be said about I think, misunderstanding of what unity is. Yeah. Unity is not sameness. 
Unity doesn't mean you have to agree all the time. Unity is about achieving the same goal and purpose for what that group is called to. You know, a football player, a football team is unified. It does not mean everyone's playing the same position. It does mean everyone's going to the same goal. An orchestra is harmonious. It's not because they're all playing the same instrument. It's because they're all playing the same song. A choir is singing a great harmony. It's not because they're singing the same part. It's because they're adding part to the same song. It is the goal that produces unity. It is the design of saying, I'm going to go with you to achieve what we need to do together. The Israelites agreed to follow Joshua in his words, in his commands, to accomplish their unified goal, and that was to take the promised land. And this agreement with his leadership determined whether they would find success or not. They would achieve God's will or not. Coming into agreement with Joshua meant they were coming into agreement with God's will. And that was, here's the promise. Here's the inheritance. This is what's in it for you. I want you to know that, and this theme is repeated throughout the scriptures. God does not search out perfect people. God does not search out whether you are worthy to be welcomed into the church or to be called the chosen people. He doesn't choose only the perfect, but he chooses those who come in agreement with him. Those who take faith of who he is and what he says. Those who come into agreement of God and his people. I want you to know that. God doesn't choose the perfect, but he chooses the agreeable, those who come into unity. And I don't know if you know this because there are, there's a world that expects the church to be perfect. We're not perfect. I don't confess I'm perfect. But I'm in agreement with God. I'm in agreement with the scriptures, the gospel of what God says who I am and who he is to me and what I am to him. I'm in agreement with his will, his purpose, and I follow. Meaning the reason I'm here is not because of you. It's because of him. Let me say that again. That's worth repeating. I am here not because of you, but because of him. And I have learned that if I try to please you, I'm going to fail you, and you will leave. By honor of God, his will, I come into agreement. And if you come into agreement with me, you're going to follow God's will. I promise you that. But I'm not here to please you. The agreement is not about whether you like me or not. It's about whether you believe in the word or not. And that you will do his will. It, it's interesting, this agreement with the Lord. It carries through in chapter 2 of Joshua as well. In jo- Joshua chapter 2, there's a famous story, and you guys probably know this, of Rahab. You guys know the story of Rahab? So, so Israelites, they're ready to cross over. They have a reconnaissance mission. They send out two spies to come, go over to spy out the city that they're going to overtake to see, you know, how many, you know, what, what's the setting. What do we need to do to strategize? Well, the two spies find themselves hiding in the place of a prostitute, Rahab. And the word gets out that these strangers, probably the Israelites, are spying out the land. And so the king's men are sent to 
find these spies. Okay, that's the backdrop. Well, Rahab heard what's happening with the Israelites, or, or did in the wilderness, hid these two men, these two spies. And that's kind of the context. Now, sometimes when I talk about this story and you got good Jewish guys in a house of prostitute. People wonder, what's a good Jewish man like you doing in a place like that? You know, and, and there people sub to that's a really side, you know, thing. But I want you to know that back then there was no hotels like Hilton Gardens for people to visit. You know what I mean? So if you're a stranger visiting, traveling through, there's no hotels that would welcome strangers. So where do they go? Ladies of the night, welcome strangers. Dark places is where people could hide and not be known. So it was uh, strategically, it was the better places to hide than well-known in the light, if, especially if you're a spy. Okay. Side, side teaching there. Okay. That one's free. Okay. So then Rahab hides the two spies Sent, lies to the king's soldiers. They've already left. And then this is the conversation he has, she has with the spies in Joshua 2.9 and following. And she said to them, I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of this Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And, when you, and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted and every, everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. These are some powerful words by a pagan woman. Rahab heard about the miracles that happened in the wilderness on the other side of the river, and she believed. And I'm sure there's other stories of the miracles that she heard. Maybe the pillar of cloud by day and pillar of fire by night. How there was water flowing out of the rocks for the people to drink. How there was supernatural uh, food provided for them where their sandals never wore out. Forty years in the wilderness, and they had everything met for millions of people how God was with them, and no king, no other nations was able to come against them. When she heard those stories, she came into agreement that indeed God was with Israel. Indeed, God's promise and what God's doing with that country of people of these Israelites, they got it going. And anyone who opposes is going to be destroyed. She knew that. She acted, she positioned herself in agreement with the Israelites, then their own people, her world that she was born into. I want you to get this. She had more faith than some Israelites showed while they were in the desert with God, with the supernatural miracle. She only heard about those supernatural miracles, and she believed and had greater faith than the Israelites. What she said, and, and consider this. She's, this is treason in her world. Hiding spies of your enemies. 
she positioned them, protecting them, so that she could make a deal. You, I did you a favor. Now you've got to save us. For that small risk that she and her family might be saved by the Israelites, to come into agreement with Israelites as opposed to her own world. She did it. She risked her life. How many of us risk our life for our faith? She had greater faith than even believers. She had greater faith. And when I say faith, in the Hebrew word for faith, the same root word is what, where we get amen. You guys know what amen means? We say a prayer. At the end of the prayer, we say amen. What, what does that mean? I agree to that. What, what, what's said is true. Amen means truth, verily, truthfully, I agree. The word for faith, it has a slight, same consonant but different vowels. I want to I say, I might be tearing it up, but it's emun, okay? But same consonants. And that has the uh, defining of faith or faithful. It's coming into agreement. Consider what faith means. You're coming into agreement with the heavens. You're coming into agreement with God, what he's doing in heaven, and he say, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I come in agreement. That's faith. And this woman says, I come in agreement with Israel, with Joshua, and what God has been doing and the agreement that they made, what they're about to do. That's the agreement. That's faith. When we come into agreement with God and his will, we are showing faith. We are, when we say yes to God, what you desire to do, what you want to do, I say yes to you. That's faith. If God says go, because I'm going to give you this nation, go to the other country, go that the gospel will be preached and people will know my name, and we say yes to him, that's faith. Because we know that he will carry us and take us and provide for us, protect us. Faith, you don't even have to have a lot of it. You just have to have a start of it. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew 17, 20, I tell you the truth, if you have faith even as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Why is that impossible? Why is the impossible possible? When we come into agreement that the Almighty God is going to be doing it. It's the agreement that gives power. Faith is coming into agreement with God, his nature, his plans. It's coming into agreement in this context, what God desires to do and his promise to do to Joshua, Israelites. The Israelite men came into agreement with Joshua, what he commanded and what he said, where you send us, we will go. What you tell us to do, we will do. Rahab came into agreement with the Israelites and what Israelites are in agreement with God. Agreement doesn't have to be difficult. But it's difficult for some of us who have different views, right? It can be difficult. 
if we are unwilling to lay down our agenda to say yes to God. But it doesn't have to be difficult. Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth talking about the different gifts, okay? And if you study the, the letter to the Corinth church, there are many, they were very blessed, gifted, the Holy Spirit was manifesting in signs and wonders. People were prophesying. I mean, a lot of great things. But there was also division within the church. And just because, you know, you're a believer doesn't mean everybody will be unified. If you've ever been to a church and, yeah, I, I can just stop right there. You guys all look at me like, ooh, I know exactly what you're talking about. So I don't have to say it. Corinth was one example of that. How can a church be so spirit-filled with manifesting in miracles and signs and wonders, and yet they are so divided? And so Paul alludes to that, teaching them. You know, all those gifts, whether it is the gift of prophesying or speaking in tongue or discernment or, you know, interpretations, knowledge, all of that, they all come from the one Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit comes from God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The one God gave one spirit for all of us to drink in the diversity of all these different gifts. And it's to build up his body, which is a church. So he says in verse uh, 12, 12 and following, the body is a unit though it is made up of many parts and though all its parts are many, they are form one body. So it is with Christ. So we were all baptized by one spirit into one body where Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. He brings color, race, diversity, gifts, everything that could define you as being different, that diversity is given by one God who unifies. We come into agreement with him. He's the one who brings unity in the body. And the unity is if you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then the Lord God has given his Holy Spirit in you. His Holy Spirit, Spirit of God lives in you, indwelling in you as a new temple. And that brings us as a family of God. That makes us one in him, unified. And he leads us to the spirit of unity with God and with one another. So we talk about being in agreement with God. But did you know that you can be in agreement with the devil? So this is something that the church doesn't teach very often or even talk about it. But consider this. The very first temptation in the garden with Eve, serpent, the devil, you know the story. What did the serpent do? He made question he questioned what Eve believed. Did God really say? And she goes, oh, yeah, yeah, if we eat, we'll die. You won't die. You certainly won't die. In fact, your eyes will be open. You'll be just like God. He made her question God and to agree with him. It's about the agreement. And it's so subtle. Because we really don't think that we're going to be agreeing with the devil himself. But when you disagree with God, 
you agree to something else. I'm overly simplifying it. But the devil, I mean, Jesus called the devil the prince of this world. He's a father of lies. God, truth. He's a source of truth. All good things. Holiness. So if we don't agree to the truth, then we're agreeing to the lie. If we don't agree with God, we're agreeing with the devil of this world. It's interesting because Rahab, she was born into a position of the land of Canaan, Jericho. Okay, This is a pagan country without God. Yet she was willing to define her own culture or her own people, risk her own life to come into agreement with the one true God. Because she agreed the truth in the one true God. You have to know who or what you are agreeing to. Because what you agree to, you are subjecting yourself underneath. What you agree to, you're a slave to. You can be slave to the truth, and that's not bad. But you're slave to a lie? What do you call people who are slave to a lie? Fools? Scam? Whatever? Victim? Yeah. Again, I've been in church long enough to know that just because someone is a pastor or a staff works or serve team leaders or whatever, it doesn't mean it keeps us from disunity where the church is completely unified just because we're in the church. There's some lies that has crept into the church. There are some pride that has crept into the church. And there are divisions in the church. But it's not meant to be that way. One thing I have noticed that is a common denominator of all divisions criticisms. We can say it's pride, but I think it has to do with self-centeredness. The self-centeredness that says it's what I want rather than what God wants or what you want. It's what I want rather than what the church needs or it's what I prefer, what I expect to see happen rather than what is happening. It's about me as opposed to agreeing with God. The church of Jesus Christ, the church of the resting place. We're not here for one another to be in agreement, to be one with one another. We are here for Jesus to come into agreement with him. That means you can disagree with me, but it better be scriptural. <laughs> you better bring, I, I disagree with you. I, I see it differently. Bring it. Well, let's talk about it. I can have different views with you. And believe me, I, I know there are different theological positions. I can say, you're, you're allowed to be different in that because there are different positions. But I can tell you when you're wrong. Okay? You can tell me when I'm wrong. But we better have a correct foundational conversation. Can we do that? I won't take offense that you have different views. I, I promise you. But I can tell you, let's go to the scripture, what God says. What did it mean back then as it was originally to figure out what it means for us today? You cannot figure out what it means for us today without knowing what it meant back then. Okay? And that is looking at the full picture of the ancient text, background, context. Thank you. Everything. 
We are here to please Jesus. Please God. We are not here for good songs. We're here to honor God. We're coming into agreement with the heavens, and I, and I did a whole worship series on that. When we worship, we're coming into agreement with the heavens who are already worshiping the Lord. And when we come into agreement, there is power in that. Like nothing less than heaven. That song, I mean, that is our song, isn't it? That is, church, that is our church song. It is coming into agreement. Why not here? Why not now? As it is in heaven. And we want nothing less than heaven. So, let me close with this thought. And, and prayer team, I welcome you to get guys to come up. I want you to just think about this. The church is not full of perfect people. The church is not concerned about where you come from or people you have come into agreement before. Do you understand? Think about Rahab. She was, I don't know her socioeconomic background, but she was a prostitute. But the moment she came into agreement with the spies with Israel, God redeemed her life and her family. Did you know that she's considered a heroine of faith in Hebrews chapter, I think, 12? She's a heroine. Like, she is the model of faith because she came into agreement with the Israelites just by their reputation. And she's part of the genealogy of King David and Jesus himself. Imagine that. It doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done. You know, the Jewish people, they're like, we're the chosen people. Yeah. But it's not about because you are perfect, you are any better. But anyone who came into agreement with God, he says, you are my chosen one. And in Jesus, in his son, you are my sons and daughters. That's a redemptive story. So no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done or what agreements you have made in the past, today is a new day. Today is a new day for you if you come into agreement with Jesus, the gospel, the truth. And he brings redemptions, the, uh, the favor, and he can restore all things, no matter what, for his glory. Amen? At the resting place, we believe in power of the Holy Spirit. We believe that miracles still happen today, and we have. You know, we have seen miracles. We have, uh, I forgot, one young lady, she had a problem with her eyesight, and she was healed. Somebody came with back problems or uh, sleep. Oh, what's the word? Not apnea. They had a hard time sleeping, and people came. Insomnia. There has been, you guys are all calling. I didn't know there were that many problems with sleeping. Okay. If that's you, then come on. Jeez. <laughs> but you guys stand with me. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Blessing Place Wesley Chapel. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at our gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.